All right, listen, we are here today with two legends of the hardcore scene and also and, and also Scott Vogel and Tim McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a couple weeks ago, I reached out to Scott Vogel to ask if he wanted to be on our podcast. And then I fucking dropped the ball on it and didn't schedule it. And then I hit him back up and we wrangled him in and we decided to combine forces to do this one episode. And when I talked to Scott and I said, what do you want to talk about? He gave me an answer that I didn't expect. I did not expect Scott Vogel to want to do a full podcast episode about chain of strength, but here we are in 2020. So, what did you expect? I, I don't know. Um, like I would have thought rival, judge rival mob, reason. judge. We could have went, went Texas is the reason. Yeah, Elliot. yeah, yeah. could have been. Yeah, I know. So that whole, like, that Elliot seven inch, the first seven inch, which I think it's not, it's on initial. That seven inch reminds me a lot of like Buffalo because of meeting Andrea Selecki. She gave me that shit. I went to Buffalo, hung out. So, and then I know this is totally off topic, but it doesn't matter because it's a bonus episode, but that first Elliot record on Rev is so good. And I it's cannot good. wait to talk about that yeah. record on this podcast. Yeah. U.S. songs? Yes. Um, and you know what? I got to be honest. I didn't really like the follow-up records on, on Rev. False, False Cathedrals. Cathedrals. And uh, the one that's like a DVD also. It just didn't catch me as much. But that <laughs> first record is so... It's urgent. It's like... It's, it's driving. It's emotional. Um, and it's, it just reminds me of that time in my life, but let's talk about chain of strength. Scott Vogel, why did you want to talk about chain on a podcast? Um, well, can I say hi to Tim? Tim, how are you? What's up, Scott? (laughs) Not too much. Um, uh, I would put the two chain of strength, seven inches, up against any band as the greatest two seven inches ever made by a band. And either one could be in my top five, definitely top 10 best records ever. And uh, I thought it'd be fun. And I don't really know the people in the band too good. I don't have, have like a personal, I, you know, obviously um, uh, now with Alex and the world be free, I got to know him, but I'm very separated from the band, which I kind of like now. And like, after all these years, I'm, I know a lot of people and it changes a lot of your perspective. So for me, it's just like a completely pure experience of just listening to the music and that's it. I think I agree because I don't know personally anyone in Chain of Strength. I've had encounters with a member of Chain of Strength on the internet, but a lot of people have. And luckily that didn't sour my view of the band. And to me, there's still an air of mystery of those records. Um, the whole time with all the merch and I mean the merch down to the fucking stationary. And then in 2012 with the watches and all this like weird shit there, it's almost like a cult secret in a way, even though with Rev and putting out the 12 inch, it's like a big release and it's a little more mainstream hardcore. But if you had a copy, especially of the first seven inch back in the day, or one of the weirder presses of the second seven inch, 
that was like an accomplishment to own those records because you couldn't just walk into a record store and flip through the fucking boxes and be like, oh, cool. Here's the main strike version of the Chain of Strength 7-inch, you know? Well, I yeah. did walk into a record store and well, bought the, the first record. But, fair enough. Yeah, okay. And this, the second record, I don't want to take up, I don't want to be the no. biggest mouth on this thing. Do the it. second record... If the guys from Chain of Strength listen to it, they can send me my seven dollars back because I ordered <laughs> that, that and the end-to-end seven-inch from Foundation Records, I think, and never got it. Still to this day, and then I had to wait, and I think I got it from his first strike at European label. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I ended up getting it from there. So, um, just a joke, but kind of funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. it seems like a That's lot of odd. people had that. Like when we shared the Chain of Strength episode. Um, there were people commenting like foundation owes me a record or something. Yeah. Like that. Oh, yeah. Me too. I, I think Two that's, of them. I think that's Dan raw. I think he had yeah. something to do with it. So you should hit him up and see if yeah. he can get you one of those. <laughs> the, the funny thing is I ordered the, the, the seven inch, the whole part seven inch and the, uh, a t-shirt they had an ad in, and I, I think it was in boiling point because, uh, boiling point guys, Tim Singer was supposed to be involved with foundation records. So I had ordered, um, both the shirt and the record and um, waited forever to get it. And they actually came out here on their last tour, I guess in, I don't remember if it was nine, I guess it was 90. Um, and they came and, and stayed at, they met up at um, drummer for mouthpieces house, Jason. And um, as soon as they walked in the door, like we had all ordered records and, and shirts and we we're like, we knew the record wasn't out yet, but we're like, where's our shirts, guys? Where's our shirts? And they were like, <laughs> um, uh, actually, we got them all in the car, dudes. We'll bring them in. And they just brought in a big, giant, massive box of, of uh, you know, what holds us apart shirts that they hadn't, I don't even think they had opened yet. Um, and just like, who got them, you know? And it's just dishing out shirts, like, in Jason's living room. So um, that worked out well for me. <laughs> but, of course, I had to wait to, you know, get the record. And, um, and then the funny thing is, I think the poster if I'm not mistaken, was laid out by Tim Singer. And I believe that was done uh, like separately from the band. And then we, Jason actually had the poster on his wall. So when they all came over, I remember going into his room and I remember them looking up at the wall and seeing the poster for the first time. And they were like, holy shit. Oh, wow. Especially Chris, Chris Bratton. I mean, he, you know, he, he was just so stoked on it, you know? So, um, Ryan just ran and took a shower and was in the shower for like an hour. <laughs> Everybody else was just kind of moping around. But I just remember Bratton like so stoked on, on seeing that poster for the first time. And Tim, do you remember the first time you got the two tell death seven inch? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I bought, well, so what happened is the true tell death seven inch came out and, um, you know, as everybody knows, back in the late 80s, Rev wasn't so great with their mail order. So, you know, you'd order something and either wouldn't get it or it would take a long time. Now, I never actually got ripped off, but, you know, around the time that um, the, the True Till Death 7-inch came out, like people talked about it a lot. And me and my friend Scott got on a train to Philly um, that weekend and uh, we went to a record store called chaos records um it was off of south street and so this was like 89 um we, we like you know brought our skateboards rode around and, and went to uh chaos to to, to get the uh, chain strength seven inch and we get in there and like 
I mean, I knew like this was, uh, this was something I was like after, you know, like I was so focused on getting this and we get in there and, and you know, Scott was too, but not quite as, as much as I was. And as soon as we walked in, he went right into the bin and pulled it out and had, and pulled out a green vinyl. And I'm, okay, let me get in there. You know? So I start looking through and there's no more. And I looked at the, uh, the guy who owned the store and I'm like, do you, do you have any more of these chain strength seven inches? He's like, Oh, we did. We sold all out. He said that that was the last one. Whoa. So, you know, I, I, I'm like a 15 year old kid and I'm like looking at my friend Scott and I'm like, dude, you're going to let me buy that. Right. And he's like, no dude, I'm buying it. And I'm like, Holy fuck. You know, I'm like, I like chain of strength more than you do though. You know, <laughs> like, and, and, and quite honestly, I hadn't, hadn't even heard, you know, I hadn't even heard the record, but I just knew it was going to be something that I, that I wanted. So, um, but he was just, um, he wasn't having it. And I was so pissed. I was like, uh, to this day, like we joke around about how pissed I was that he grabbed the last truth of death seven. inch. so anyway, I, you know, I went home and, and I just ordered it and I did, you know, I got it in the mail. So I, I got it from revelation mail order. Um, on so green, that's my little, yeah, on green. Yeah. 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 I got it on green. That's dope. Yeah. Scott, where'd you get your copy at? Um, I wrote, uh, this was right when I got into hardcore. Um, this was like the third, the third and final nail. So I had gotten a minor threat record. And after that, a friend had given me, um, don't forget the struggle and uh, victim in pain on cassette. Oh, wow. And then I went to home of the hits and, in one day I bought the chain of strength seven inch side by side, no for an answer and sick of it all seven inch. Oh my God. Just, I can just remember the, the record store in Buffalo home and hits next to the register at the left of it on my left, looking at the register, they had a wooden like into the, into the desk, a cutout section for seven inches. And I don't know why I, bought all those rev ones because i think that's those are the only things i bought and i don't think i even knew what revelation records was maybe it was just the artwork or i don't know what it was but i grabbed those four and that was it uh i was like hardcore addict starter pack like ten dollars for all those or something probably i i went to home of the hits once um like 90, 96 or 97. I don't even, I don't think it was open the day that I went though, or if I don't remember going in, but I think it was on my way to mighty taco also. <laughs> I, I went once I went with Larry. Scott. Of course. Larry, uh, yeah. Ransom brought me there yeah, once. Been uh, a boat of Lake effect, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can just think about the records and shirts on the wall that they had in there and, now I see that like a conviction shirt sells for three hundred dollars. I could have, mm-hmm. yeah. If I was smart <laughs> or foresaw the future, I could be a rich man. Well, yeah. that's what uh, Tim is saving up for his retirement plan right now with all that stuff. I could probably retire now if I sold all my shirts and records. But <laughs> yeah, look at Jason. I can't do it. I don't know if I could retire. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, do you know what an earth bag is? <laughs> 
It's a fucking, an earth bag. It's this like long bag that they fill up with earth and it, and you can build walls out of it. And people build like houses and yurts and cabins and stuff. That's what Jason's going to be with his fucking t-shirts. He's going to build it into walls (laughs) and live in it. That's going to be your retirement plan, bro. (laughs) If I'm lucky, we'll see. We'll Uh, see. Scott, which seven inch do you prefer? If you Out were to, of those if, four? Yeah, no, if I were to give you both chain seven inches right now and oh. say you you have to put one of these on and then I'm going to take the other one away forever and you don't get that one, which one would you take? That's a tough one. I I think I would go with True Till Death. Just not, not because of the music. I would say the second seven inch musically is better, but just the layout and... The rev, the 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 rev logo, and the Georgetown shirt. I think Chris Bratton's wearing a Georgetown shirt on it, playing drums, and just the nostalgia fact. I'll go with True Till Death. But if it's just music, I can only listen to one for the rest of my life. I'll probably go with the second seven inch. I think that's an uh, an excellent summation of the whole thing because the first seven inch definitely looks better. You know, it's got it's got the iconic colors. The layout, the the possibly staged photos, the <laughs> but the, I too believe that the music on the second seven inch is superior, and and that's what I would choose. Those songs hit so fucking hard, man. Yeah, same. Um, which exposure was the twelve inch? Because right, you know, I always I try to shoehorn in every episode that I'm younger than these guys. So the twelve inch had just come out. <laughs> See Javier, Javier's. Uh, it's all right because I'm still the the third Uh, youngest maybe the fourth youngest one and uh so the you know the the second seven inch songs are sequenced first Mm -hmm. so they were the first ones I heard obviously well impact um which I guess we'll talk about that song in a bit but um I have to agree with Scott's assessments dead on like aesthetically the first one um but musically what holds us apart for me yeah, so if we want to talk about the second seven inch, Tim, I believe you have uh, something historical to talk we about. Gotta see, we got to see which one Tim prefers first. Well, yeah. I mean, all right, let's see. Well, now that we've you're talked, not, we've talked. You're not, ask, you're not asking me because you already know this answer, right? I don't know. I, oh, okay. I could go either way. Yeah, I don't know. I have a 50-50 shot. I mean, so here is where Tim says, speak out. final answer (laughs) no yeah which which would you prefer tim no i it's for me it's it's true till death all day um true till death like when it came out it just spoke to me very differently than than you know most other records that were coming out at the time because chain of strength were like lyrically it was so like reactionary whereas like everything before it was just talking about what was happening at the time and, and Chain of Strength just had, like, you know, 1989, they come out with True Till Death. And, like, I'm starting to see, you know, from, like, 87 to 80, I didn't know any, like, everybody that I knew that was straight edge, they were straight edge. They were into hardcore. Like, but by 89, it was starting to sort of, you know, splinter off a little bit. You know, people were starting to uh, go away to college. And it was weird back then. It, it, I don't know that it happens as much as it used to happen back then, but it felt like, as soon as somebody like graduated high school, 
they were fucking gone. They were, they were on to the next thing. They were, you know, if they were going away to college, they were joining a frat, they were dropping out of hardcore, like, you know, just, uh, you know, not being straight edge anymore, whatever. And like, that just hit me so hard. It's like, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was young and naive and I, it just, I, I couldn't believe that that was happening. So like when Chain of Strength, Truth or Death came out and they had all these songs about it, you know, like Truth or Death and just how much, you know, let down, it was like, holy fuck, these guys are like thinking what I'm thinking. You know, it, it wasn't just about being straight edge or, or not just about, you know, being into hardcore or, you know, hardcore pride. It was like more than that. It was, it was being, you know, let down, disappointed by people who were, you know, there before you and have now moved on, you know, like there just wasn't really too many bands that were doing that. Um, so, it, you know, at the time it just hit me really hard. I mean, it still hits me hard. I, I love it. And there's just so much urgency in the music. Um, you know, like change strength musically is so different. You know, I don't know that people even think about it, but they're, they don't sound like a typical West coast band. They don't sound like a typical, you know, New York hardcore East coast band. Um, they kind of drew influences from Austin, you know, from, from DC, you know, uh, th there was just something different about them, you know, aesthetically, they were so strong aesthetically. Um, you know, the seven inch, obviously, like you guys just said, like Todd just said, I mean, the, the, the layout is just so fucking cool. So pinpoint, like perfect, great, you know, great pictures and just a cool, you know, fold out layout the whole package, you know, they just had, they just were the whole package for me. Um, so, uh, so, so you don't believe, you don't believe them that when they tried to say that true till death was about hardcore and not straight edge. I remember that was well, like a, I, a thing. I, I, I think that was a, a combination of what it was about. You know, I think they were, you know, true till death. I think some guys were writing it true till death as, you know, straight edge. And then other guys were writing it true till death as in, we're going to be true to playing hardcore. Um, you know, because as far as I know, frosty was never straight edge. Um, and there was never, it was never, uh, um, anything that was being hidden, you know? Um, well, that's so, what I wanted you know, to bring up was I was reading the, uh, Tony Rettman posted on it or sent out an email yeah. with a link to the common sense the common and, sense interview yeah and i'm glad one that i didn't see that in 1997 or i would have been crushed because like when i got the all ages <laughs> when i got the the you know the revelation book all ages yeah and because yeah. i was like you i just figured why would anyone stop being straight edge everyone that <laughs> is in hardcore is straight edge yeah and that's so the way like, it's gonna be forever I'm, I'm reading through that and i'm like getting all bummed on these, you know, interviews. And if I would have saw that common sense zine, I would have been like, I'd be like, this Dude, is what I'm done. I, I was in the room when Tony was doing the interview over the phone. You know, that's what I, mean? what I wanted so to like, ask. I, I was there when we were like, we looked at each other like, what? Curtis would grab a beer if he was thirsty. We didn't, we didn't understand <laughs> that. <laughs> this stuff is all news to me, but that's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah I haven't, says, I haven't I was, read this interview yet. Dude, it's oh, it yeah. said that Frosty drinks beer, but only when he's thirsty, and like Kurt uh, I remember drink that. beer. And then like Wild. and and the thing no, is it was it wasn't it was it, it's like I said, Frosty was was never straight edge as far as I know. Um so that was never really a, a, a debate, but the Curtis thing I think was a bit of a debate because 
you know, I think Curtis said, no, that's not true. But I think because Curtis wasn't doing interview, I, I believe it was uh, Ryan and maybe Chris that did the interview. And I think Ryan said something to the point, well, like, you know, Curtis doesn't drink, but like if there was, it was something to the effect of there, if there was nothing else in the refrigerator and all there was, was a beer, then he would drink it and whatever. I mean, I suppose if any, you know, if somebody's like dying of thirst, I, I mean, I would never do it, but maybe somebody would, you know what I mean? So like, well, it was, what situation it, it, would someone be in where they're, they're dying of yeah, thirst and the only thing know. they have is a beer? <laughs> There's a Schlitz in their refrigerator. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But but yeah, I mean, I've seen that, that I've seen that debated like later on, like, I don't, you know, like I think Curtis is, I don't know why he said that. I've seen that in other interviews, but I got else? the quote if you want to hear. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, you know, you guys ask, there've been room or you say there've been rumors that you guys drink and the answer. And again, I believe it was Bratton. And what year is this? Um, this is 89, I think. Okay. It's as well as far, as far as straight. 89 or 90. It says, uh, as far as straight edge goes, Frosty is not straight edge. So if people see him drinking a beer, they shouldn't hassle him. He's just totally into hardcore and has been around since 81. So he can tell all these new kids something. As far as drinking, none of us drink except Frosty. Curtis has a beer if he's thirsty, but he's not into <laughs> getting drunk. So it's no big But that all goes into what your personal interpretation of straight edge is. Mm. By the way, Frosty rules. I just want to throw that out there. Like I, I, I got nothing but love. Frosty for, does rule. Yeah, um, he does. I, I, I'll, I'll go on record and say I have nothing but love for all these guys, all of them. Yeah. I, I know all these guys personally. They're all fucking top notch guys, who unfortunately get a little bit of a bad reputation for for whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go to fucking war with any of these guys. They're all fucking great guys. So yeah, they're, they're, you know what's interesting that there's always like. I see criticism of chain of strength on the internet all the time of, for one thing or another, sure. they're boring. They didn't mean their words. It's they're like, you know, poster, yeah, but, but, poster but, boys or whatever. But I, I've never understood that. And I'm a fucking hater. I am a hater. And I've never the thing that blows my mind. Here's what blows my mind. And maybe somebody can answer this. Everybody talks shit about chain, you know, going back on their words, you know, whatever. Um, who, who didn't? I mean, everybody did. You know what I mean? We all love Gorilla Biscuits, but they're not all straight edge anymore. Yeah. We all love Judge, but they're not all straight edge anymore. We all love you today. We all, you know what I mean? Like every single I band. I, I, I agree. How many, Somehow they what, got... Why, why does Chain get more shit than anybody else? Because, you know, they all eventually went that route. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. It's like why it, it doesn't make any sense to me why they get more just because they wrote a song called true till death you know maybe that, that, that may reason? be it yeah that yeah. may be it because that is such like a, a proclamation and like a stance it'd be like if carl earth crisis was like well i'm gonna have this fucking meat taco right now i'm gonna go to mighty taco and have this like meat taco you know it, it's right. like they they did make a firm stance uh, apparently a firm stance and declaration and then within you know, how, however many years they were over it. And maybe it's yeah. also because they were gone for seemingly gone for so long. You know, Porcel was always around or Sammy was always around or whoever, but like chain of strength guys were not whether, unless they were playing in like alien ant farm or uh, man will surrender or, you know, other bands like that, but it, it wasn't the same thing. They kind of maybe weren't there to just be like, 
yeah, you guys can talk your shit, but fuck you, we're still playing. You know, they just yeah, they weren't, weren't, they they weren't, weren't there to defend themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that could that could be it. But, you know, I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, uh, Chain of Strength broke up. And then how many years later, like, you know, the Circle Storm, you know, the, the, the seven inch and the LP that comes out. And like yeah. so Ryan and Curtis are, you know, starting to play again. And, and then, you know, Chris continued playing. I mean, Chris. Yeah. Bratton, you know, played in wool and I think he played in like drive like Jehu, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Alex did a bunch of different bands that, mm-hmm. that, you know, didn't necessarily, I don't think Alex ever stopped playing music. Um, you know, he wasn't playing in like some straight edge hardcore band, but he was mm-hmm. playing in hardcore bands like, and, and different, like, you know, post sort of hardcore bands after, after, and then, um, you know, Frosty did Manimal Surrender, um, so, I mean, they were, you know, most they were of them around. were, yeah. they were around. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think it, the it, only one that didn't really do stuff was Kurt. And besides yeah, I mean, Storm. Other, other than Circle Storm. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he jumped and into a career, you Circle know. Circle Storm didn't really, I, I don't think they had a big impact. You know, the, <laughs> it, it wasn't as like renowned as Chain of Strength yeah, they, for, for one reason or another. They weren't around long enough, you know. They, didn't they were play supposed a lot to come of shows. Yeah, they were supposed to come out here on the East Coast, and I remember my band Hans Tide was supposed to play a couple shows with them, and then they ended up like canceling for whatever reason at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, had that happened, you know, everything could have been kicked up a notch, you know. Yeah, but um, I, I, I talked to Steve from Unbroken a lot, and he told me after he heard the episode that Chris Bratton might be the best musician that he's ever played with. And that means a lot coming from Steve. Steve is a very good guitar player, a very good musician. He's played in a lot of bands. And for him to speak so highly of Alex, oh no, uh, Alex, he said that about Alex, not about Chris. Yeah, he said that about Alex. Um, He said that he's just a a, a phenomenal musician. And um, so Vogel, you're in a band with a phenomenal musician, just so you know. Thanks for the terror comments. (laughs) <laughs> so so scott though what was it like being you know because w- there's that like you talked about kind of being able to just compartmentalize and keep things separate but then like you're in a band i mean granted like it's right now it's not like you're a full-time band touring like terror but you're in a band with a guy from that played on records that you said are you put up with the best like was there any like intimidation there at all i mean you've played with so many people so i doubt it but I figured I'd ask. Can I comment on some things I heard before that? And then yeah, get to yeah. this one. So some of the things Tim said, because I didn't want to just butt in, uh, when he was talking about people breaking edge or dropping out of hardcore, in, in Buffalo, I would see that as when someone showed up in a Morrissey shirt. I'd be like, this dude is gone. <laughs> this dude is gone in a couple months. It, it would be always that. Um, what Tim was saying about Chain of Strength getting a bad rap, I think kind of Strife gets the same thing. Like, mm. as a person that's never been straight edge, I don't think it's my place to like throw around what's right, what's wrong. But I think it's really weird. Like, like Tim was saying, like, I guess Earth Crisis is the only band that comes to mind that stayed true to straight edge and, and veganism, maybe like close to 100%. But it is weird that some bands get this like pass and then other bands are like crucified and sellouts. And it's like 
like I said, I've never been straight edge, but it's kind of strange to watch. And I, I don't think, really know. I think some of it is at least with, with some of the bigger bands, the singers are still straight edge. Like, you know, Siv is. So I guess it's kind of like, well, he's up there singing it. So, yeah. you know, same thing with even like, I love Floor Punch. Well, we know not everybody in Floor Punch is edge anymore, but we know Porter is, and Bill. Is that what it's about though? Yeah, just the singer still? I don't know. It's, it's but, not, but I think that that's, I, I think that that's something that maybe people can use to rationalize it. Okay. Um, you know what that I mean? To be sense. like, well. Yeah, like I wrote these lyrics or I'm singing these lyrics, but now I don't live these lyrics anymore. Is a little different, I guess. I, I don't, but, that, but then with Gorilla Biscuits, like Walter wrote the lyrics. Mm. You know, one, one, I, I, one I, thing. I, go ahead. I just never identified Gorilla Biscuits as a straight edge band personally. There's just not like a lot of straight edge imagery. Like maybe the members were straight edge, but that's different from what I have viewed as a straight edge band, just as a, as a casual observer. One thing that, I mean, again, I've never been straight edge, so this doesn't apply to me fully, but I do think it's a, like maybe a little weird when Shana Strength was selling X watches when they are clearly not a straight edge band. That's, that's a little weird to me. And that's something that's like, uh, that's a little weird, but whatever. Um, so those are all the things that came to my mind when uh, Tim was talking. But to get to your question, I mean, first of all, being in World Be Free with Sammy is is really cool. And it's it's crazy to see how musical he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just a musical idiot that can jump around and scream kind of loud. Um, I don't really consider myself a musician whatsoever. And then when uh, Sammy brought in Arthur on bass, that's that was like a total another bass player that's highly skilled and, and writes really cool stuff. And then um, going into doing this newer World Be Free stuff, everyone but Arthur was living in L.A. and it made made it pretty hard for us to like write stuff. So I want to say maybe Andrew came up with the idea of Alex and. Uh, you know, he plays so differently than Arthur. Arthur's like maybe kind of a happier bass player mm-hmm. and more melodic. And Alex just rips into the bass like a fucking beast. And I, I don't want to discount any of the other people I've ever played in a band with, but Arthur as well as Alex and combined with Sammy has really shown me like a real serious musical rhythm section. So it's really cool for me, somewhat intimidating too. And I know that, you know, their talent overshines mine, but whatever. So, so like it. with, uh, it's funny. It's, uh, it's funny. Like back in the, back in the day we would, you know, my friends and I would sit around and talk about like the, the, the perfect band, you know? And, and I can tell you right now, many times we said Sammy on drums, Alex on bass. So you actually got it going, Scott. <laughs> well, I, I hear too. Like, um, I'll, I'll tell Sammy that I like the chain of strength seven inch better than side by side seven inch. I'm like, Oh, you're fucking crazy. And I'll I'll just do it to antagonize him. Taking nothing away from side by side, but yeah, of course not. Chain seven inch is just blistering. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And you can, you can actually hear between the, the first, 
you know, uh, the first World Be Free record and the new one, the bass playing is definitely different. Like you can just tell, yeah. and they're both. It's awesome on both. Like I'm a huge fan of Arthur's bass. Like I know we I talked in the Gorilla Biscuits, uh, you know, ad nauseum about how good his bass playing is on mm. Start Today, but also the Civ stuff. His bass playing is great. Mm. Um, so I was stoked with World Be Free because I'm like, oh, I'm glad to hear him playing on a, you know, a new record, but then this new one with Alex, he crushes it too, but it's, to, it is totally different. Like if Arthur yeah, was, he made the band, he made the band harder just instantly mm. by just the way he strums his bass. It went right. from happier to harder immediately, which is more of my, when I started, like, I don't want to go on a world be free tangent, but when I started the band, I was thinking Dag Nasty Gorilla Biscuits, but, then I realized I didn't have the voice to do that and mm. I'm not musical enough to do it. So it kind of landed where it landed. And then with Alex, it makes it even a little bit more, more into my uh, comfort zone, I guess. You know, Scott, I think that your voice even sounds different on the, the one song that I've heard from the newer record. Your voice sounds a little bit l- less raw, a little bit more polished. Was that also... Not to get too, again, too deep into World Be Free, but did you think about that consciously? Say, I'm in this other band, and so maybe I need to sound a little bit different. No, because I, re- I recorded both of them with Nick Jett, the drummer mm-hmm. of Terror, and uh, with Sammy standing there telling me to try all these weird things, which in my head when he says it, I think it's bizarre, but then after I do it, it sounds amazing. So mm-hmm. it was exa- the exact same approach. Mm. See, I when I heard this this new World Be Free record, and again, not sorry to get on a World Be Free. Bring it on! But you know, it's a bonus episode. We can do whatever we want. Um, we were guaranteed not to talk about Scott. So <laughs> <laughs> you violated his contract. Rule number one um, was just as someone who sang, and I'm using quotes for uh, bands myself, and know that like you know, I I was in a band that the vocals got more melodic to me, the new record just seemed like you were more comfortable. Like you're like, okay, I can do this. Like the first record you could tell, like, like I love the first record, but you could probably tell like you were just like, uh, cause there's parts like on the song, Sammy's mirror where you really get melodic and it sounds awesome. That was hard. It was and hard I, for me to do. And I felt like as someone who's been, you know, singing in bands for a long time, it just sounded like you were more, uh, more comfortable on this new one. Let's let's try this angle on the podcast. I would say mouthpiece and count me out are two of the very very excellent uh, chain of strength sounding bands. I don't want to say rip off bands or whatever. In strongly <laughs> influenced bands. Thank you. So yeah, I can get, get down with Scott that. And go, let's go in those directions. Thank you. Direction. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So Tim, I, when, yeah, I wanted to ask. So. This mouthpiece what remains um yeah. has a similar it's it's not i'm not saying it's a note for it but it has a similar feel to impact was that something sure. you think that was like a subconscious because see impact wasn't released as a song then do you think it crept right. into the subconscious and- well well like i'll give a little you know background and i kind of um touched on it before um the one of the trips uh, that in 89 when uh chain of strength were out here with insight, they played my friend's ramp. I think I was talking about it on the last time I was on and they stayed with us. And then in 90, when they came out 
for the last time, um, they hung out with us. Um, it was just, we became like a place when they were coming to Jersey to play city gardens. This was where they, they met, you know? So like we'd meet up, they, uh, whatever we go out to eat and stuff and just sort of hang out and rest until, and, and that all started from when we did that common sense interview. Um, they just, you know, knew who we were from that. So anyway, like, so my band, uh, like mouthpiece was, was just starting, um, well, we kind of started towards the tail end of 89, but like by 90, that last time they were out here, we were actually practicing in the basement and they came down and were like watching us. And, um, we were just so, it, because we loved like all things revelation and, and, you know, New York hardcore and, and like loved everything that was coming out of Southern California, you know, all, all the, you know, against the wall, hard stance, um, you know, pushed aside, uh, all, you know, no for an answer, all that stuff. Um, so we were so like, you know, wrapped up in that whole thing to actually like meet one of those bands being chain of strength. And they were like super cool to us. Um, we were like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Cause again, we're like young kids, you know, 15, 16 years old, super impressionable. And, and, you know, like we didn't meet the guys in youth of today or, 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 you know, the guys in judge or, or gorilla biscuits, you know, at that point, although I think we kind of talked to Sammy a little bit, but you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? We actually met the full band and they were like, just down to fucking hang out and go get pizza and talk about hardcore and, and whatever. And I think that just left such an impression on us specifically like, um, our bass player, uh, Chris at the time who, who ended up being our guitar player. I think we, we all just, we love them, that band so much like musically and just hanging out with them and everything, the whole sort of, you know, the whole picture sort of helped. I don't know. I feel like it, it, on like we didn't plan it but it kind of just helped form what we were who, who we kind of wanted to be in a way like we wanted to be the east coast version of of chain of strength and again we didn't talk about it we didn't say hey guys let's write a song like this or or, or whatever it just kind of just happened because we were we were so like surrounded by it especially at that formative time of of us you know starting the band um and, you know, as far as what remains, um, we, we had live videos, um, like we used to trade videos with people all over the place. And I remember, uh, you know, our drummer, Jason getting some videos from this dude. Uh, I think the guy's name was like video ed or something like that. He's from Boston and he would get videos from, you know, all over the country. And I remember him getting videos of chain of strength from, um, Spanky's in Riverside and, we would sit down, like, you know, we would practice and then we would sit in the living room and we would watch videos. And I remember hearing, it wasn't called impact at the time. It was just an intro. You know, we were all just like, holy shit, that's awesome. You know, this, this, anything that wasn't recorded, like we were just, you know, trying to get a bite of anything that, you know, that wasn't already out there. You know what I mean? So like this little intro that they would play, um, we were like, this is fucking great. This is awesome. You know? And, no, nobody ever like listened to it and said, let's go down in the basement and write a song that sounds like that. But at some point, you know, we did go down the basement and, you know, a song that sounded like that kind of came out. Um, but again, I don't think it was anything that was forced. It was nothing that was discussed. It just sort of happened. And, you know, I, I think as it was coming together, we were like, 
that kind of sounds like that chain song, but, and you know, we're all like, Oh, well, you know, it's, it's a song in a video, uh, you know, that we see that probably the rest of the world will never hear, you know, who cares? At least it going, wasn't like you know? the, uh, time flies turning point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Like the turning no, point. What was had that? The, so turning point, you know how that, they have that live set on the discography from, yeah. I forget yeah, yeah, what's the, from. The, the radio song, show. Yeah, there's the song Hollow Inside on there. Yes, yes. And yep. Time Flies on their um, album on Indecision, their first song was called Hollow Inside, and it was like an exact uh, riff of real that song. It's and, real. Um, oh, wow. But then a year later, the Jade Tree discography comes out, and it has yeah. that song on there. Yeah, See, what yeah. remains to well, me just sounds it, – it's a similar feel, but you could say it about – it's like a mid-tempo, you know. yeah. Yeah, 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 really. I'm, but I will say I remember because, like, I kind of stayed in touch with with Ryan after, you know, after Chain of Strength was done. And actually, uh, when I started Hands Tied, we were like, we did a, like a little two song demo, and we sent it out to a couple labels. Sent it out to Revelation, we sent it to Equal Vision, um, we sent it to uh, Victory, and we sent it to uh, Ryan's label. Um, what was it called? Uh, you guys did the Count Me Out record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Come so on, we Jason. Sent, <laughs> we <laughs> we sent it to... This. When he said Ryan, we, I thought Foundation, but then I thought... That, yeah, yeah, no, not a Foundation. Ambassador. Yeah. Um, and we, we sent it to, to Ryan and, um, and Steve, uh, Steve uh, Frosty's brother, Steve. And um, as soon as, like, they got it, they were like, oh, we, we're down to do... I think they were the first ones that got back to us and... And they wanted to do the hand side seven inch. And we were like, okay, cool. Let's, let's do it. And, um, you know, but we didn't end up going with them. I think obviously we ended up going with equal vision. Um, but what I was trying to say is that like, I just sort of kept in touch with Ryan. Like we just, whatever, write back and forth once in a while, even like I said, after chain of strength was done. And I remember when the, uh, the, will hold us, um, the, you know, the discography, whatever was coming out on revelation, uh, Ryan sent me like, it was almost like a test pressing, but it was of a cassette. It was like a test cassette. And, um, he sent me a copy of it and I remember getting it and a couple of my friends and I, we put it in my car and like drove around just to listen to it. And that impact comes on and we're like, Holy shit, they've actually got a recording of this. Oh man, I think maybe our cover's blown now. You know, <laughs> how floored were you though to hear? Because because that song "Impact" is freaking great. It's like, perfect. oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm joking around partly because you know, like I said, it wasn't something that we had really tried to do, but um, obviously it it has that that sound. Um, so I I just remember kind of like looking at everybody thinking, oh shit wow yeah i guess you know because we never heard a recorded version of it you know so yeah it, it really all kind of came together at that point um but yeah it's kind of funny one of the Would things you, oh go on jason oh i was gonna ask him what he thought of the vocals on there did you like the song oh, right away or did it did it um oh no no i i, I loved it right like, away i mean yeah, no same. yeah yeah no i loved it right away and i th- I, I don't know like i, I know that there was that that circle storm seven inch that came out. You remember that circle storm seven inch of the two Dude, songs that were like I love that seven recorded. Inch. Yeah. That were re- that the music for that was recorded at the same time that I believe, uh, no for answer was recording, um, yeah. thought crusade. I think they like 
jumped in the studio when like no Francer went out for lunch and like knocked out those songs. And then, um, you know, so they had that music. And then when, you know, circle storm decided to be, uh, a band, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember what they said they actually planned on doing with that music because the original version of circle storm was Alex singing. Um, oh, is that out there somewhere? Have you no, heard that? no. Like, okay. Sir, That'd all, be awesome I mean, to hear. Really all, really all, what's that? I was always confused by that. Cause I remember being like, yeah, what made chain and circle storm different? Well, then I realized I feel like it's a few different people, but I remember being like, I thought Alex sang cause that was. Yeah. So, action. so what had happened was there was the, there was the, the, the tour that chain did with no Answer. you know, no Answer was coming out here and, and Chris was playing with no for an answer and, you know, chain of strengths was just starting. So it was like, Oh, you know, can we join the tour and we'll, we'll, you know, and I think at the time they only had a certain amount of songs. And, um, so, you know, they came on the tour, but their set was so short. They decided to at like, let's, let's pretend we're a different band and like, we'll wear our hoods up and like, you know, Curtis will play bass Ryan will play, um, guitar, um, Chris will play drums and, and, uh, Alex will sing. And I know they played, uh, the anthrax. Um, so they, they had songs, I, I, a couple songs at least. Um, and then actually the first time they came out here with insight and, uh, insight and chain played my friend Scott's ramp. Um, they changed instruments then and did circle storm, but, Alex didn't sing. Uh, I can't remember who. I, I remember um, Curtis played drums. I can't remember who sang, but I just remember them playing like Agnasty covers and Minor Threat covers and stuff like that. Um, but so it was like a very loose thing, you know? It wasn't anything like real, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, when they got in the studio for that No Friend Answer recording uh, and they recorded those songs, I don't know. Um, if what the intention was, I don't know if those were chain of strength songs or those were really circle storm songs and Alex was supposed to do vocals. I don't know. But anyway, um, once circle storm kind of came back together as a new band, not as that original band, really all they did is use the name, you know, and, and Ryan played guitar and now they got Curtis singing. And, um, I guess they dug up those recordings and then Curtis went in the studio and recorded vocals for those two songs. So I believe those were out first. So we kind of had this idea that like Curtis is kind of getting back on the mic a little bit, you know? And then I believe that chain of strength came out after that. And Curtis did the vocals for impact. So, um, so that was when a we long... talked, Oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say that was a long winded story to get to that, but, um, that's, that's where we I'm like that. To. That's what yeah. we like. For um, sure. I was just going to say, when we talked to chain, they seem very dismissive of the Circle Storm stuff because... Yeah, especially guess, Alex. Yeah, Alex they seemed don't. really, really dismissive of it and basically said yeah, no, straight I, up that they ruined... Well, you, you listened, I'm sure. They, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I heard that. And, and I, you know, they're, they're obviously talking about what, you know, Ambassador released as the Curtis-fronted version of Circle Storm that became a, you know, quote-unquote real band, whereas the original version of Circle Storm was just sort of a fun a fun thing with, you know, no real direction or anything like that. So um, for I don't the know. Seven... I mean... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to ask for the seven inch for the circle storm seven inch. Didn't they use the photo from the chain crew sleeve? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a yeah sh- a shot of um, chain of strength from City Gardens, actually, okay. from that uh, that last that last trip out here. Whack. Okay. Yep. So, so that leads us chain crew, chain crew confusion. Chain crew. Let Let's talk about yeah. the chain crew. Okay, so to to really uh, get a full grip of what happened with that was you guys familiar with the youth of today live at cbgb's like bootleg seven inch sure yeah okay so you know that was something that came out i don't know maybe around like 89 90 something like that um i think i know who did it but i won't, we won't even talk about that but anyway that was a cool thing like that i remember like getting that and thinking wow this is fucking cool it looked cool you know it was a cool live set from CBGB's of you to today. So I had a live uh, soundboard recording of Chain of Strength set from City Gardens the first time they played. And I thought it was fucking incredible. Um, my friend Tony's brother was, was the DJ at City Gardens. So um, you could just, I could just say, hey, Don, here's a, here's a tape. Can you record this band set? Like right through the soundboards. And he would do it. So I didn't, I wasn't the one who asked him to record this, but anyway, he did this. He recorded chain set, he recorded insight set and then gave us the original tape. So did I say, in, did you say insight insight? Yeah. So the so insight, is that, that the, the set that's on the discography? Same set thing? Yeah. Same, same set. Yes. I had oh, the original good. master tape of that, you know, Sorry, um, I didn't need right from the soundboard. No, 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 that's okay. So anyway, I had this tape and like me and all my friends, we listened to it. Uh, and you know, I copied it for a couple of people, you know, eventually it got copied and, and, and made its way to insight because I know like they put it up online at one point, but anyway, going back, um, at, at some point I had this idea of doing a bootleg chain of strength live at city gardens record. Okay. And, um, you know, you're, you're going back to like 1990, 1991, where, there was no, you know, you weren't really, we weren't really like in touch with, with everybody, you know? Um, I mean, like I said, I had a little bit of contact here and there with Ryan, but well, you're also a around, kid. Yeah. You're yes, exactly. You know, like 16 years old or whatever. So we just, I just thought it would be a cool idea to do this. I figured, look at, you know, they did this youth, somebody did this youth today, seven inch. That looks awesome. Actually, you know, there's a bunch of lot, just the gorilla biscuits from the safari club live seven inch, there's the judge from NYU, uh, you know, bootleg. So there's burn, like a lot of like not, uh, what's burn, that? the burn, the burn bootleg the burn, burn. At yeah, burn yeah. That's CBS. a great, that's a great record. There's a, there's a lot of little cool records like that. And you know, like it was never an intention in my head to like, you know, make a bunch of money off of it. It was just something, a cool little project that I would, would have liked to do. So anyway, I had all these pictures. Um, cause I used to get pictures from Ken Salerno um, you know, to, to put my zine common sense. So I had all these pictures and like one day I was just hanging out over my girlfriend's house, Tracy, not now my wife hanging out over her house and her father had a copy machine. And I put together a layout for what was going to be like this bootleg live seven inch, you know, again, it was, it was really just a pipe dream. Cause I knew nothing about putting out records or, or anything like that. But I, you know, I just, I just put together a layout. Um, obviously, I didn't put the, the, the song titles on the back because that wasn't all figured out. But, you know, I, I figured out the cover, 
you know, the logo, the picture of, of um, Ryan on the back and chain crew and, and just kind of left it like that. And then what had happened is in 91, I went out to California uh, with mouthpiece, our first trip out to California and we played the Shea cafe and my, my girlfriend, wife, Tracy uh, knew Mike down from amenity and Mike was from San Diego. Mike came to the show and we went back to his, his house and hung out for a little while. And, um, this was, so this was 91. So, um, it was uh, new, that new year's day show, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. The new year's yeah. day show. Um, so like, you know, we hung out with Mike, uh, and, and then like, we kind of kept in touch with Mike afterwards. So then you fast forward to like 93 and Mike's like, Hey, I just, um, got, I just found like all these, um, screens for these original shirts. I did, he did downside records. Um, you know, he was in the band force down, uh, he, he did a statement record, um, not the vegan band statement, but the San Diego band statement. Yeah. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, obviously amenity stuff. And so the screen printer, we were talking to him about, you know, making downside shirts. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the pictures of like Zach playing with inside out and he's got the downside shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, yeah. So we just thought that was cool. So we're like, Mike, you got any more of those downside shirts? And he's like, no, I don't. But the, the shop that's in San Diego still has the streets. He's like, I can make some for you guys. And we're like, fuck, wow, hell yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go down there and check. So he comes back and he says, oh, he goes, they've got, um, they've got, has the Edge Gone Dull shirts down there too. Do, do you guys, do you guys want any of those? <laughs> we're like, uh, yeah. So he's like, he's like, all right. He's like, I'll make some of these downside shirts. I'll make some of these um, uh, chain of strength shirts. Uh, this, so this was 93 and uh, Strife was coming out here for the first time and mouthpiece and strife were going to do this like weekend long, uh, trip of, of shows, uh, like Boston and, and, um, Jersey. I can't remember where else we played, but anyway, Mike down ended up printing these shirts, sending to, sending them to us and we sold them at those shows. So we continue this, this connection with Mike down. And at some point he says, Hey, Chris Bratton, um, has a bunch of like shirts and, and records and stuff like that. Are you guys interested in those? So it was like always, there was always something new that Mike was coming to us with and saying, are you, you know, do you want any of this stuff? So, you know, me being a giant chain of strength fan, I'm like, fuck, Chris Bratton's got like chain of strength shirts and chain of strength records. And he wants to sell them. I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll buy them. Mm-hmm. So he says, Oh, he's got a hundred records. Um, it's, it's a rejected pressing of the hold us apart seven inch. Do you guys want to buy any of them? And we're like, buy any of them? Like, I don't know how, how much he's like, like a hundred dollars. Now we're not, we ha- we're not talking to Bratton at all. This is all going through Mike. So Mike's like, let me, let me see if I can get them from him, you know? So we end up buying like basically all Chris's Chris Bratton's chain of strength shirts, stickers, you know, some records, um, some other random t-shirts and, um, this batch of rejected will hold us apart records. 
So we're like, you know, what are we going to do with these? I don't, how I, much I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, what's that? How much, how much did you spend for everything? Do you remember? I, I don't, it wasn't probably like 300 bucks for everything. Which is, oh my that's God. crazy. Cause now it's I love like, it. so real quick, oh, before dude, you go further, the, the rejected, yeah. what was, what was, was there something different about the rejected? Like I've never heard. Yeah, of it's, it's, it, it's, it doesn't sound as good. I mean, to give you the, you know, straight answer, it just doesn't sound as good. I don't know if it's like a different mix or it, it may be like a, a bad mastering job or something like that. I think like it has that. something to do with the mastering. And I think that it's on yeah. Kevin Finn's video where he talks about all the chain of strength records. I, I think, and I, I think, think it's maybe right. only one of the sides of the record even. So okay. they just were, it, it was sl- a little bit slower. Maybe it wasn't cut at the right speed or something. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of muddy. Um, but, you know, like at the time, you know, whatever, 15, 16 year old, 16 year old kid, like I'm hearing this, it's like, it doesn't really sound that different to me, you know? So anyway, we got all these, these hundred records. I'm like, what are we going to do with them? Well, it just so happened to be like the following weekend, there was this more than music festival in Ohio that Mouthpiece was playing. And we were like, let's make, I had this cover that I had designed for what I had, you know, wanted to do this bootleg seven inch, but, um, I just said, Hey, maybe I'll just use this cover design and then just kind of throw together, you know, take the song titles, put it on there. Um, and then make a lyric sheet. And I remember like Tony Retman was over when we were doing it and he wrote that like explanation of what it was. There's the, there's the lyric sheet inside. One side is the regular lyric sheet. And then the other side is the like explanation of what the seven inch was. Now, all, all we were doing was just taking these hundred records that we had gotten from Chris. We made covers and we were just selling them just like we were selling at a distro table or something like that. You know, there was no, we didn't call it the chain crew seven inch. I mean, I know like on the back cover, I put a chain crew sticker, which I talked to you guys about before it's, it was just, a sticker that filled up space. It really was not intended to be called the chain crew seven inch. Um, so we just took this, you know, these hundred seven inches. I mean, we took some for ourselves, whatever, and then brought them to this, this fest out in Ohio and we sold them like fucking, you know, hotcakes. Like everybody was like thinking it was a new chain of strength seven inch or something. You know I mean? We were like pointing out, Oh no, no it's not a new chain of strength seven inch. You know, I remember pointing out, like, look at the song titles, you know, we're like, this is just like a rejected press. And we're just, you know, we got covers, we made covers for it. And really it was not a big deal. People didn't really, people bought them, you know, but I don't think we even sold all of them. I think, um, I would bring them to like middle sex shows. Mouthpiece would play middle sex shows and I'd put some on the table and it was only a hundred. So I, I remember at some point I still had about 20 of them in like the late, 90s and this is around the time so i'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit when the like rev board went up and there was that list that like definitive list of pressing info and all that kind of stuff and i want to say that was probably around like 96 or something like that does that sound familiar yeah Yeah, that's when kevin finn really started put it compiling all that stuff so I remember seeing that list and I was all interested because, you know, I love rev records and, and wanted to see what I had and everything like that. And I remember going on and seeing like this chain crew. I'm like, what is this? And I realized I'm like, Oh fuck, this is something, this is what we made, you know? And I'm like thinking they've, this is now listed as like a legitimate, like chain of strength release. And it's considered like a, a, 
you know, like a hard to get rare item. And I'm like, turn around and look at my record box. I'm like, I got a stack of these things. You know, I got like, I literally had like 20 of them. And dude, I tell you, as soon as that stuff went up, it was like, because I think my name, me and Tracy's name were, were attached to it somehow or another. I started getting messages and like phone calls, uh, you know, emails, whatever, uh, handwritten letters, like, Hey, can I get a chain crew seven inch from mm-hmm. you? And I'm like, sure. You know, I got 20 of them here. They're collecting dust. And like, I'd start selling them, you know, five bucks a piece, whatever. And then I started, then people were like, dude, I'll trade you, you know, uh, an, 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 an agnostic front LP for it, you know, like rat cage records pressing. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, are you serious? Uh, you know, like people were like offering to trade me like, you know, pretty like rare records and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, a victim in pain, you know, like gatefold, like I was like, Holy shit. I remember that being one of the records. Um, but anyway, so I was literally like, these things were going out like, uh, every week I was selling them to like, you know, somebody. And then next thing you know, I've got like, you know, four left. <laughs> and then, and then I kind of like sealed up the, the, the box and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not getting rid of any more of these. Um, and, but, you know, as years went on, it was like, it just got, it caught more traction and just like more people talking about it. And it was a more like coveted record. Like people really wanted them. And, and, you know, over the years, I mean, over the past 10 years, I've probably gotten, uh, you know, a, a handful of people like asking me for, for more. And I'm like, I, I don't have any more, you know, like I think I'm down to two. Mm. Um, um, and, and, but the thing was, is like the, so, you know, like I said, I had designed the record, um, but in, in 93, uh, our, the bass player for Mouthpiece was Dave Rosenberg, who, who also played in that band Flagman. And he was, Ooh, he was like still that. in high school. Yeah, he was still in high school at that point. And he, was in, he had like a, a printing class. So he was like, dude, I'll print those covers for you. So all the chain crew covers, you know, the two, the two color were printed at his, at his high school. Um, so he, he gave me a big batch of those covers and just printed on like whatever was sitting around, you know, there's, there's some copies that are just white covers. There's some copies that have like a texture to them that are like purple. Um, yeah, there's just kind of you know, like random stock yeah. that he just had laying around. It was just like, use this up. Cause it was a, it was a free job. Um, and some of them are really poorly printed, you know, that the, the registration's off really bad. Um, but it, you know, it was free. They were, they were two color covers that looked semi-professional, you know what I mean? So it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then the lyric sheets, I just copied and printed at, um, it, in, at Tracy's dad's house, uh, her parents' house uh, on the copy machine. And we had hand numbered them all. And for some reason I ended up with like a bunch of extra lyric sheets. So like over the past 10 years, I've had people contact me. Hey, cause like people will actually, because really what this pressing is, is each member, there was 500. Okay. So each member got a hundred of these rejected records. So, you know, it was a real pressing, you know, we just bought Chris Bratton's 100, but Ryan had a hundred, Curtis had a hundred, Frosty had a hundred, Alex had a hundred. So there are technically 500 of these records out there. There's just not 500 covers for them. We're, and there's not 500 lyrics. Were one of those hundred was that were did one of those turn into the confusion press? 
I don't think, no, because okay. confusion is a whole different mix. But okay. I think that the Xerox covers were just put on some of these. I mean, it, it all gets kind of yeah. confusing. I went know, down a wormhole on the internet and people were comparing the differences in the covers mm-hmm. of the Chain well, Crew 7-inch. There was a message oh, oh. board that I went on and people were saying, well, my H is a little bit less, you know, oh my God, saturation on it than <laughs> this one. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. But um, That's like... Well, Next level. Uh, yeah, if you can see much. that this, this this one right here is literally the very first one I ever made. Like, because I just wow. made the cop the cover on the Xerox machine, so it's just a black and white. If you look, it's all like rough. Yeah. You know, it's um, and then this is like the actual like printed copy that oh, Dave Rosenberg nice. printed. Yeah, see that. Um, but um, what was I what saying? A, what I, a, I lost I'm just my saying shot. a weird seven inch. But here, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I lost my train of thought. What, where, what was oh, I we just were talking saying? about how many copies you had left and then... Um... Oh, 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 yeah, right. So, so I think what happened is those guys, like some of them were just put in regular well, holds us apart um, covers and lyric sheets and just okay. sold. Um, some had Xerox copies of the cover and just sold. Um, I think at one point I heard like Dan Rawl, who was doing mail order for, for Foundation, um, got Alex's 100 and just packed them and sold them through through mail order with with uh, you know I don't know if they were Xerox covers they were you know original the whole Spark covers um, but they all just got you know sent out all over the all over the world so over time people had them and and it, I think the biggest thing that people notice is that the side I guess it's the side pane where Alex is like jumping actually i got it right here in front of me i should probably look yeah the side well both both side alex and side pain the labels are very dark they're much darker than the original press um so that's how usually people can tell you know other than putting it on the record player and hearing exactly how it sounds so a lot of people were coming to me within the past 10 years and saying i have a record but i don't have a cover and i don't have a lyric sheet and they're like can i can i buy it from you and i'm like okay you know because i had a bunch of extra lyric sheets for some reason and i, I still have a bunch of extra covers because there were so many i mean if, if we made 100 records we probably made 200 covers so i just had stacks of covers they're they're yeah. stuffed in drawers and stuff like that all over my house i'm gonna bother um, you for later yeah you can <laughs> um <laughs> I but, say i wouldn't uh, mind just for having the stuff in my other copy <laughs> yeah, and i'll give you that mouthpiece record out of you too greg oh yeah thank you yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, people start contacting me and they're saying, Hey, would you sell me a lyric sheet? Would you sell me a cover? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, I, I, what do you charge for something like that? Cause it's not a record, you know? And I don't know. I remember somebody like contacting me and said, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. I'm like, what? You just want to, you're going to give me a hundred dollars for a lyric sheet and a cover. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I'm totally fine with that. I'm like, so i did it and then and then i believe somebody said i'll give you 150 dollars and i'm like holy shit and like i'm literally like sitting on like money you know (laughs) like yeah there's i got stacks of these things you know so i end up selling i I don't know how many lyric sheets there's probably like 10 random lyric sheets that either never went with records uh i don't i really don't know i don't know if they were doubles they could be you know, two number tens, they could be maybe number 10 record never actually got a lyric sheet in it. I don't know. I just know that I had extra lyric sheets. 
Um, so I ended up selling them. Um, and now I'm down to my last, like two or three lyric sheets and two copies of, of the record. So um, looking um, on poppsych.com, it looks like for a while they were all selling for only like $60, but mm-hmm. a year after they got back together. So 2013, one sold for $762. I saw that. Wow. Yeah, that's, wow. that's the highest one. And then there's a bunch for like 600, 500. That's so yeah. wild, man. For just something that you made for fun. For, for fun, know? really. Yeah, I mean, great. we didn't. Oh. I mean, we, we probably made some money off it, but you know, when you're 16 years old, what do you do? You know, you spend the money on gas and you spend the money on food. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're, you're padding your wallet with any of that money. You know, what what I want to know is, do do you have the soundboard recording of the live set still? (laughs) No. Well, so what happened is I, I, I'm not going to mention somebody's name, but a a good friend of mine, I let him borrow it because he, he was going, because there's copies, whatever copies out there that are of it were like copies of my tape. Yeah. So, you know, there's generations are being lost. So I had the original and I gave it to a a good friend of mine to, um, digitize. He's like, let me, let me digitize this. And he lost it. Mm. So let's have a moment of silence, a moment of silence (laughs) for that tape because the insight set sounds awesome. Like I would love to, uh, you know, that same set and it could probably, well, I mean, I have a digital version of it, you know, I, I definitely have a digital version of it and it sounds great. It don't, don't get me wrong, but it, I just like the idea of having the original and, and getting a digitized version straight, straight from the master tape. And I don't know, you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, it shows up at some point. I mean, it's been missing for a, a good chunk of years, mm. but I don't think it went in the garbage. I think it's just in, Lost. you know, some boxes, in, yeah, some yeah. boxes or something well, somewhere. When that, you find it, I'm putting it out onto bootleg CD, just so you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when they did the reunions, they sold the watches and the watches also had a chain crew insert. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Chris, Chris loved the idea of the, of the chain crew seven inch. She just thought it was the coolest thing. And, um, and he, he was like, dude, I want to make, I want to make, you know, we're going to make that by the way, the watches, the whole deal with the watches, I know they get shit for that. And I know what Scott just said about it. That's all Chris Bratton. It's, it's, it's all like, he is the mastermind of everything. Like aesthetically, he's like, you know, super in tune with how he wants everything to look and how he wants things to represent it. And he was just like, look, when, when we talked about doing those reunion shows, you know, we talked about what kind of shirts we were going to do. And he's like the era of chain of strength that, you know, speaks the most to me. And, and is that whole original era, the true till death era. I mean, you know, the chain extra strength shirts and everything. And that's how he, rationalized it to me it's like this this is what this is you know the legacy of the band this is what i want the band to be known as you know this kind of aesthetic and he just thought the x watch thing would would be a cool idea um because he's still straight edge and he he thought it'd be a cool idea and but he said to me he goes i i want to get you involved with these watches i'm like how how are you going to get me involved he goes well i want to make an explanation sheet with it like you did for the chain crew seven inch he says to me can you copy them i'm like i can i <laughs> i guess so he's like because i want because you're the one who copied the original i want you to copy them i'm like 
okay. He goes, and then nice. can you hand number them? I'm like, sure. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, you want me to get a green marker, a green Sharpie? Like, he's like, of course you have to do it with a green Sharpie. Just like you. How many did they like, make? Do you know? 65, I, you know I there's, think. There's, there's multiple versions. Okay. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there's clear and black. Dude, yeah, I, would to- I, I just don't know if I, I, I would totally wear one. I don't care. But I, I got, got, hey, I, got, I think I, I think I got all of them. <laughs> dude, we got to, I got to say, Chris Bratton is, we haven't talked about his drumming yet. He's one of the oh. best drummers and is just so intense. Well, on it, records. And, and it's a shame that his, the like drum part was cut out of the seven inch version for the Revelation reissue. Oh, yeah. The, right. That right, starts right. out, that like fades in from the like galloping yeah. beat. That sounds so much better. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Damn. But, okay, but listen, yeah, I mean, he, he is the, he is the ultimate mastermind of, of, you know, all this stuff. I mean, everybody agrees and, and they're all cool with it. You know what I mean? But Chris is the one who, I mean, you sit down with this guy. He's we like, want to. <laughs> this is, yeah, this we is, do want this to. Is the thing, this is the thing that people, you know, people talk shit about chain of strength and, you know, I've already gone over that, but like I hung out with these guys, these guys fucking love hardcore, like next level. Like you guys are sitting here doing a podcast and you're picking apart the recording process and the design process and every little, you know, every, cause, cause we love this stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why yeah. you guys do this stuff. Absolutely. Chris Bratton is all about this stuff. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he'll sit down with a, you know, uh, SSD, get it away and, and literally talk about, he can tell you like what dudes are wearing in the crowd and, you know, the fonts and the spacing and the borders and the colors that were chosen and, I mean, just like every tiny little detail, there's like nothing left to be, you know, up to the imagination. He, he goes into everything. And it's like, for somebody like me who just is just like obsessed with this shit, it's like incredible. So like yeah. every time we get together and hang out, it's just like, all right, what do you want to know? What do you want to talk? Like he, he, like we would text sometimes and he would, he would say, dude, we got to do a phoner. Like we need to get on the phone because I can't text all this stuff. We'd love and to talk. Literally we would be on the phone for, for hours, like two, three hours. That's, like that's, that's, the word, that's the word from people is like, if you know, that he'll talk and um, we're all, we're all for it. Like I love, Oh yeah. We all love chain of strength. And, you know, I think that, I guess I'll say I, I'm sort of breaking my own rule. Um, and Hav, you can cut this out if you want, but I figured since it's a bonus episode and only like 40 mm. people will hear it or whatever, like, I think that, you know, lately, I wonder how much, because, you know, when, for me, Jason Hoff, we're like, oh, Chain of Strength, when we share this episode, it's going to be huge, and it's going to get all these downloads, just because I'm thinking people love Chain, and I was kind of surprised it was like a slow burn for people, and I wonder, because mm-hmm. we did have people ask, I wonder if how much of it is because of the stuff with Kurt and his his political Politics. View online which my thing is is like just like scott said earlier if we're gonna single kurt out you're gonna have to single out a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of dusty old you know what i mean like but for some politics right now for some reason he seems to take like the brunt of the like oh i can't listen to you know chain of strength anymore whatever and like i don't i don't agree with his opinions i mean i'll put that Mm -hmm. on there but it's just weird that like Again, they get the that that ire from people, but right. all the you know a lot of those old New York guys are 
pretty, you know, right wing, whatever. Right. And I just wonder yeah. if, if that has done something to, like, I've seen footage where, like, you know, I heard there was the fest. Um, the F- FYA fest in Florida. Yeah, like, Florida, so, yeah. Years so Earth ago. Crisis played. I was there, and then, yeah. And then Chain played after, and it's like you hear the story of, like, half the room left after Earth Crisis. Well, now. I think it's because of the age of a lot of those kids, too. Right. And right. and I went to FYA last year, and, you know, Never Ending Game was, like, one of the hottest watches and disembodied and it wasn't really like chain of strength style. Not, it's not the, the cup of tea for like 20 year old Florida hardcore kids right now. And that's kind of what right, I wanted right. to, but like my take, my, I guess the takeaway is like, I don't personally know Kurt. I don't agree with his opinions, but it's not going to make me, I don't know what, you know, I, I can only take a word from like you and people that know him. They're like, no, he's a good guy. And like, I trust your judge of character, Tim. So I'm like, okay, he's probably yeah. a good guy. And I still love Chain of Strength. That's, <laughs> that's the end. But some people yeah. can't, you know, I mean, separate we, we, that. we were, my family and I flew out to uh, the last Rev Fest that was out in California that Search played. We flew out to Cal, um, we flew out to Las Vegas, went to the Grand Canyon. And then we drove to Southern California and we were just like, we were just sort of like looking for a place to stay because we were going to, we, we had gotten a uh, Airbnb like kind of close to the venue, but like in between, we were kind of just looking to, uh, for a place to stay. And, and, and like, I think like Tracy had posted something and Kurt said, you guys can come stay at my house. So I'm like, really, you sure? Cause I mean, you know, Kurt's got kids and wife and you know, uh, we're not, we're not kids anymore. You know what I mean? Like we're all adults. I mean, I'm bringing three, three kids with me, you know? And uh, he just opened the door for us, like, come on over, you know, you can stay here. And, and it was fucking awesome, you know, like, we're all like adults, you know what I mean? Not like little kids, like sleeping on the floor. It was like, you know, it was, it was just awesome that he did that, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, I just hung out that night and we were talking shit. You know, the thing about Kurt is he's, he's always, and, and people kind of used to say it back in like 88, like, oh, you know, Kurt's kind of a dick or something like that, but yeah, he kind of got a bad rap for, he's just kind of one of these guys who, who likes to kind of talk shit and, and likes to kind of get people riled up. You know, I mean, there's always people like oh. that who just kind of like to get people right up. Whether, <laughs> looking at Javier. <laughs> right, right. I mean, whether, whether he, he, you know, means every word he says or, or what he just, and, and he came in like in chain of strength and kind of got a kick out of, you know, like every, well, obviously chain of strength, you know, comes out and they're all bleached up and everything like that. But then like the next time they come around, so like the first, first time they come around, they're all bleached up, X'd up, put it sweatshirts and shit. Next time they come around, they're all like dyed black hair, you know? Mm-hmm. And like Morrissey, you know, yeah. we- wearing, you know, <laughs> Smith shirts and, and, you know, U2 shirts and shit. And I think Kurt kind of got a, got a kick out of that. You know well, what I mean? I've like rolling said- up to the anthrax and, and, and all these straight edge kids are like, what the fuck happened to you? And I was one of them. I was like, when they showed up that second time and they were all dyed black hair, I'm like, what the fuck happened here? And I think they kind of got a kick out of it. You know, it was, yeah. it was like kind of funny to them. So what I'm saying is I think, you know, what Kurt does now, I don't really like, I don't get involved in, in political shit. And I don't like, I don't go and search out like what is posted. I, I really, honestly, I, I try to stay away from Facebook because I feel like, it's a I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care about people's opinions. If I want it, if I want to hear it, 
you know, I'll go seek it out. But like everybody has a, a voice and, and speaks on Facebook about whatever the fuck they want. And 99% of it, I, I'm not interested in, I don't care. Um, right. so like, and I'm not saying I don't care about what Kurt says, but I don't, I don't go look for it. I don't care about yeah. it. Um, you know, it, it's like, I know Kurt as the guy he is not as the, you know, whoever's typing, uh, you know, behind the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of gets a kick out of, you know, pissing people off and, mm-hmm. and, and whatever, it, it you know, riling, riling people up. I mean, look, I'm sure he believes what he believes, but, uh, I, I, I think a bit of it is probably tongue in cheek and he just kind of gets a kick out of, out of it. I mean, I have seen a little bit of it, you know, so. Well, but, what do they um, call it? Like in wrestling, like the heel. Yeah. He's some a heel. People, some people just like being the heel. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, cause I got into hardcore through like discord stuff, but also like pop punk. And I'm a huge fan of screeching weasel. And uh, most people know Ben weasel has like crazy opinions. And I kind of sure. look at it as the same thing. Like, and even, you know, I would never do it with politics because, again, I don't agree with any of his politics. I'll, I'll put that out mm-hmm. there. But at the same time, as the, as the English say, taking the piss yeah. out of hardcore kids, even though we're hardcore kids, mm-hmm. it's fun sometimes. Like yeah. when one up would play, I would like wear like, you know, a Deftone shirt and flannel because we'd play a show with maybe bands that all had like Nikes and cargo shorts and whatever. Because right. it's kind of funny. Like when Carry On came right. out the second time i thought it was a riot people were flipping out because ryan came and he had the the hair and haircut stuff. yeah that stuff yeah. yeah it's kind of like funny and i guess that's like what he's trying to do he's just yeah i, I wish he was i think doing it from a different avenue but it is what it is I, yeah yeah i think there's a strong element of that in there now i'm not speaking for him he, he could turn around and say no that's not it at all you know what i mean it's just that's me knowing who he really you know who he is and just kind of the history of what I've seen, you know, throughout the past, you know, since 88, you know, whatever, 88, 89, please 89 when I first met those guys. So, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I look at it the same way as like, um, you know, someone that we actually interviewed before, like Dave Smalley. Like when you mention mm-hmm. Dave Smalley, you'll have people say all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, he's the nicest guy. Yeah, like he's right, right. never been anything but kind. Um, I've never seen him say negative things on social media. Like I've yep. never seen him like he's always like supportive. I mean, I remembered even being a kid and reading the interview with him in antimatter and he's talking about mouthpiece. Like he always kept his ear to the ground with hardcore. And it's mm-hmm. just like, it comes to a point where it is like, like, come on, man. Like they, they, they get this, people kind of get this idea and then it perpetuates and yeah, I think sometimes it's like you got to judge the character a little bit. Right. You you know what it is like when you're younger and uh, um, Scott, I'm sorry to, you're not uh, chiming in here, but I'm going to say something. Maybe you can, are you there, Scott? Okay. Okay. I want to say something. He's soaking soaking in that bold poster. He's basking underneath the bold poster. I want to see what you're, what you think about this. But like when, like when I was younger and I didn't know all these bands, you know, like I didn't know what the people were like in the bands you kind of have these preconceived, you know, ideas of what people are like. And it's very easy to like talk shit about people that you don't know. And all you see is what you see on stage and what you see in the records. And, you know, maybe a little blurb you see in a zine or whatever, but then like, as you get older and you get more mature and then like you actually start to like meet these people and, you know, not only meet them, but then you actually become friends with these people 
and you get to know them as people, like how they really are. And, and all of a sudden it's like all that, like all that shit that you thought about as a kid is, is it kind of goes out the window. It's like, um, you know, like I know so many people who, who chain of strength, exactly where people are just talking so much shit, you know, like, or, or, you know, like Purcell gets so much shit. People talk so much shit about Purcell. Um, you know, the guys in youth, youth right. The guys (laughs) in youth today, I mean, Dave Smalley, you know, uh, I, I, I'm just in a position because I've done bands for so long, um, that I've, you know, been around all these people and I've played shows with these people and, you know, I end up getting to meet a lot of these people and become friends with a lot of these people. And like, it just, it bothers me so much because there's so many of these people, uh, meaning like the kids that will like attack people and talk shit about people, but they don't know them as the people that they really are. You know what I mean? Like, right. You know, I, I've, I've known plenty of people that were like, come up to me and say something bad about like Sammy, you know, like, Oh, he's this, he's that. And I'm like, do you know, Sammy, have you ever had a conversation with Sammy? Sure. Like Sammy's a fucking great dude. I mean, Scott, you can speak for that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you've heard people say things bad about people that you've met. You know what I mean? Like for example, or, or even about yourself probably where you're like, where are they getting this from? That's not true. Sure. Sure. I mean, like, you know, once you get to know people on a personal level, it just, it's like all that other shit kind of goes out the window. Everybody has their, you know, little things that they're into, whether it's politics or it's, you know, what their eating habits are, or what their drinking habits are, or, you know, maybe this guy likes to go ride motorcycles and maybe you're not into motorcycles. Like, there's just all kinds of little things that, you know, uh, this guy likes these kind of movies. But like, at the end of the day, if you sit down and you have conversations with these people and they're good people. I mean, to me, that's, that's what matters. You know, I I don't care what all their little, you know, little things that they're into or what they believe this or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, as long as it's not hurting anybody, I I don't, I don't care. I don't get all wrapped up in it. You know what I mean? I knew I met Dave Smalley before I even heard anything about any politics. Do you know what I mean? There was never any conversation about politics when I met Dave Smalley in like whatever, 91, you know what I mean? 92, whatever. Um, he was fucking super cool to me, super friendly, you know, and this is a guy from DYS from Dag Nasty, like two of my like favorite bands, you know, and he like went out of his way, like to be cool, like to me, you know, and like, oh, and then I find out that, you know, he believes this or he believes that, like, but see, it, I don't even think half the stuff's true. That's my take. No, no, it, I don't it, think it's. I don't think it's true. And I think that, um, like I said, I can't say enough good things about him. He was super cool to interview. He's always cool to interact with online. Right. Um, and right. you know, and I've that, like, I'm thinking, talk to the people that know him, talk to you, talk to like, we talked to, you know, Brian McTurnan was like, mm-hmm. Oh, he was incredible. I worked with him, you know, cause he did the new don't sleep record. Oh, right. 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 People need to just yeah. not necessarily just believe everything that people say. Right. I mean, like, like Scott, obviously people say, you know, bad stuff about, you know, a band like Manball, right? I mean, well, you these know, guys are like thugs, or, but like, you know, those guys, you right. It's funny you bring that up because I was waiting to get this story in and it has exactly to do with Madball. Yeah. And, and not to say Dan Yeeman from Lifetime has ever said anything bad about Madball, but um, uh, Buried Alive toured with kid dynamite and I, I became friends with him and I stay in touch with him. And he has the preconceived uh, idea about Madball, just kind of where you were just about to go. 
And mm-hmm. I have yep. this goal in my, and I've told Dan so many times, like if he met Freddie, I think they would click on so many levels and that right. like Freddie, one of the biggest gentlemen I know, he's like so respectful and, and a great guy. And I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but somewhere in my head, I want to like, uh, and you know, da- me and Dan kind of linked over be- being on that tour. It was like snap saves the day, buried alive and kid dynamite. And me and Dan would end up at the bar, not together. Mm-hmm. Cause we're probably mm-hmm. only two of the only people that drank on that tour. And then we just start talking and he probably realized how much I loved lifetime. And if, you know, if I could get those two together, I think Dan would be like, Holy shit, Madball and Freddie is like, one of the nicest person I've ever met. So I think that's exactly where you were just right. about to go. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. It, like these, you know, these people that talk shit about all these other bands, you know, bold, whatever. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a different angle. You know, it's not like they're thugs or something like that. You know what I mean? But it's like, Oh, these guys don't care about hardcore you know, these guys, are, you know, or sellouts and right. it's just, you know, and my it's thing like, is, is who are you to tell somebody what they do and don't care about? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like just because someone, just because someone doesn't go to, well, first off, there's no shows to go to right now, as we all know, but right. just cause right. someone's not going to every show or listening to every new band. And I think that's awesome. I think when people are still able to be totally active and check out new bands. And I check out new bands. Tim, you check out new bands. Jason, Hobbs, mm-hmm. Scott, like we all check out stuff. But I think that, you know, you do hit a point in your life where, you know, things maybe slow down, maybe because of work, maybe because of having a family, right. maybe because of yeah. you know, any number of things. But it, and maybe you're not able to go to every show and you only come out for, you know, the big shows or the fest or whatever. But again, right. what, how does, who are you to judge and say that someone's not into it? Like you said, like the bold guys, like, okay, well, yeah, I know for a yeah, fact like, those dudes love hardcore. Yeah, I, I mentioned the bold guys because I remember in like the late 90s, early 2000s, well, I guess it would be in the early 2000s when Matt was doing uh, like running, the band running like Thieves and, and you know, I'd come out of doing, um, love that what band. was it, Indo- uh, One-Sided War, Endure, whatever. You know, I remember like having some conversations with people like on the rev board back then like oh fuck those guys who do they think they are to come back after all these years you know we don't need them we don't want them um that you know they don't or like cashing they in just, they're playing they, we played with running like, cashing, to like 20 yeah, people it, in a basement right yeah. in, in, i mean i remember seeing them in a basement i mean dude, they were never a band looking to make money you know what i mean never i mean they, they that was they just wanted to fucking play music you know and um it's just it's just crazy like you feel kind of bad for some of these people because, because, you know, some kids are just like, they just won't give people a chance. They just, you know, who who are they, you know, like they, like they had, uh, sinned or something, you know, they've done some terrible thing by wanting to get together with their friends and and play music that they wrote. You know what I mean? Like, and the other thing is too, is like, in a way, like what's worse like maybe not seeing these dudes at every show or like to me, I love like turnstile and Jesus peace and like newer bands, but can you picture mm-hmm. Matt bold, like up front crowd killing people during Jesus? <laughs> I feel no, like I people, want to, I want to see that so bad. <laughs> I feel like if people saw that, they'd be like, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like the right. dude, like, you know, almost 50 years old, like 
you know, and I don't know why we, we just happen to be talking about bold. So I'm using them as an example, right. like right. They, they play, you know, they play shows. Those dudes love, they're not making money from it. You know, it, maybe they got to go to Europe or whatever and get enough money to like pay for a hotel room and play Europe. But right. people, people wanted to see them. Like, they're and really, living, they're they not didn't, living high on the hog from there. Yeah. And they really, they didn't like, even like I was, and I was thinking about, um, was thinking about bold with like, if you think about it, like bold ended in 89 and then Matt went to college. And then like, right after that, he started endure. Like, it wasn't really like, it seemed like a long amount of time in hardcore years. Cause it was like four years, but like, yeah, but it wasn't that well like that. And like he did that, yeah. he did endure one side of war. Then that turned into running like thieves, and then bold came back. Like it wasn't. Uh, this I, don't know big... about you, I don't know about you, but like twenty years has gone by like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It was it was two thousand when Mouthpiece did our first reunions. You know what I mean? And I think that's when I met you, Greg. At the yeah, Philly show, that was the right? first because I just missed Mouthpiece, and I wanted to throw one thing out there about Mouthpiece before I forget. When I was listening to, which is something I never thought about because I got into Mouthpiece retroactively like 97 so you guys were mm-hmm. just freshly done but again right. even a year being done it seemed like ancient history for me right and i was listening to 185 miles south bit about a zach um and they had an episode all about 90s um yeah, i also true. don't like using the term oh, right. true because you know it's I'm, right I'm it's kind of a that, it's kind of a pejorative like coming from someone who is heavy into metalcore like it mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't a uh, compliment. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think it was Ben, Ben edge, Bidipo, Ben mm-hmm. edge who said like mouthpiece weren't even a revival band because you guys started when these bands were still around chain judge. Right. I think youth of today was done. GB bold. Our, well, maybe not bold. Our whole, our whole See, goal was, was just to play with those bands. We right. started, we started in the basement in 89 and um, really, our, our big goal was to our friend Jason Bush. Um, he used to go to live shows all up and down the East Coast, and he would go to Anthrax shows. And he he talked to like the Sheridan Brothers, the guys that did the shows there. And um, he said, "Hey, I think I can." Like you today, we're we're gonna break up, right? So they were gonna play this West Coast show, and then there was this plan that they were gonna come back and they were gonna do one more show at the Anthrax. And he said to us, I, you know, if you guys have your shit together, I think I can get you guys on that bill. Oh, I mean, to, to, to us, that was like, we made it. I mean, we could have fucking died after that show and, and we would have been happy. You know what I mean? Like just the idea that we could have, we could have, we could have played the anthrax opening for, you know, youth today's last show was just incredible. But I mean, that's, but it also That's shows we, the time frame when you guys existed. Cause I think a lot of times people like paint mouthpiece as this like revival band, right, but you right. weren't, you just happened to start more towards the tail end of that stuff and just. Right. We, we got started to play with all those bands. I mean, I remember talking to Sammy at a show at, at city gardens uh, and we had, we were called control before we were mouthpiece and we gave him a sticker and he was like, dudes, there's we're judges playing a show at the anthrax. You guys want to play? And like, we exchanged numbers and, and like Jason, our drummer had his number and I'm like, Jason, are you going to call Sammy and see if we can play that show? But we were like little kids. You know what I mean? We were like fucking 15 years old. And like, was, hey. we were too, we were too, we were too nervous to call. <laughs> we were like, 
I don't know, man. You call him. I ain't calling him, dude. You call him, you know? We could have played the anthrax. We could have opened for Judge. Control could have opened for Judge. I mean, Sammy put the offer out there because we gave him a sticker and he thought it looked cool, you know? Um, but that, that, was, that was what, you know, how we started the band, how, what, we, what we wanted to do. But what happened is we started, and it was almost immediately, like I said, like by like 90, everybody was like getting out of hardcore. All those bands were breaking up. You know, all the bands, Bull, Judge, you know, Gorilla that's gets hung out, hung on for a little bit, but you know, um, yeah, like it all you know, kind of happened you, you at the today, same time. Yeah, it, it, it was like it was so like disappointing, you know what I mean? We were so like bummed about it. Like, here we are, we're finally getting a band, we're finally getting shows. I mean, we were playing with Turning Point, we played with Release, you know, we played with Vision, you know, like a lot of the bands out here on the East Coast. But like, you know, Turning Point was, was kind of breaking up, you know, well, they were breaking up, you know, release, they broke, you know, they, we played one show with release, they broke up. Um, so like, it was all crumbling, you know, so we kind of like took it upon ourselves. All right, this scene that we wanted to be a part of is all falling apart. So we're just going to have to just do it ourselves. And, and there happened to be a bunch of young kids that were kind of coming from, that tail end of it, you know, who loved all those bands and they were, they were like, Oh, all right. And they kind of got behind us, you know? Yeah. And, and I got, I got to give you guys credit, man. Like, like again, getting into it retroactively, I, I didn't necessarily see just how important it was that, you know, you guys really kind of, you stuck it out and then you helped usher in that, I guess really would be a, what a third wave, you know, of the, right youth crew in quotes, you know, with a floor punch and tenor fight and hands tied and in my eyes and right. all that, like you kind of, you guys sort of paved, paved the way for that. Cause you were one of the only bands that played that particular style of hardcore, right. at least that I can think of. I know there's, you know, like, well, like Cornerstone, Strife, I think Strife. Strife was like, yeah, they were like the West coast version, you know, of what, like what we were doing, you know, a bunch of straight edge kids who came out of that late eighties scene, totally obsessed with all that stuff. Um, you know, they were like the judge version and we were like the chain of strength version, you know, back yeah. then. I would, I would I, also want to say, I would put despair in that category as well. Personally, like stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say Tim, uh, Gave a trifecta of New Jersey, release, vision, turning point, all amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh my and go, going back a ways, uh, someone brought up how good Chris Bratton's drumming is, and I just want to second that oh, yeah. his drumming is fucking amazing. It's incredible. And I think, are pe do people kind of not talk about a Thought Crusade? Because I know he plays on that too, and the, the, from the No Front Answer 7-inch to the No Front Answer LP, I would listen to the LP way, way, way more. And yeah, I think it might, be, it, it, it might be because of his drumming and they kind of got a little crunchier. They kind of have that, da, 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 I don't know what you call it, mouthpiece does it, chain of strength does it against, does it. That mm -hmm. like A little darker. Crunch. It's like, yeah, it's like um, darker. Like I... I, I'm, I recently became a fan of like the Dano bands. I was never huge into it. Now I'm like, I'm pretty, you know, Javier kind of got me going on the no for an answer LP. And then I just went down that rabbit hole. I have, a, I managed to get a copy of the carry nation seven inch, mm -hmm. which is cool. People kind of sleep on the thought crusade. Though, yeah. Thought crusade. I know. Yeah, they, I think, really, 
Because it really wasn't on Revelation, I think. Well, and it's not I mean, available in streaming right now. Yeah. So it's really hard to find. Um, I actually just bought, I showed the guys, but I bought on eBay a promotional copy of A Thought Crusade that someone who had worked for a record station, a radio station, uh-huh. had, uh-huh. And, it, and it has like a handmade cover and the tape is white instead of the normal clear, which I grew up have. So like, you know, it's it's a little bit, that's how you have to find this stuff. It's only on CD or kind of an expensive record yeah, and right. or, or a tape. And so there's, a, I think, a whole generation of kids who just like, they just kind of didn't know of it. Right. Yeah. I remember, I was, I remember being up at the, uh, when Chain of Strength played up in uh, like the Massachusetts area, like the last time they were out here, I was hanging out in the parking lot, talking to a bunch of like straight edge kids. And, and uh, this one dude um, was like, uh, he's like, oh, you know, I just recently got a, a, a no for answer shirt. He's like, are you interested in? It? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I be? He goes, oh, cause they suck. I'm like, what? He's like, oh yeah, no friends are terrible. I'm like, what are you talking about? What, like, what, what is this re- revisionist history that no friends are terrible? It's like, oh yeah, they're not good. And then he like goes to his friends. He's like, do you guys like no friends? They're like, eh, they're all right. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, no friends are we, great. We talked about that on the episode, and I admitted like I don't know what it was, but when I was getting into all the rev stuff they were just under the radar for me. Like nobody was telling me you need to listen to this. So it wasn't, it wasn't like crusade. Yeah. And then I heard thought crusade and then even going back and listening to the, you laugh seven inch. It's a good record, but thought crusade is a great record. I think it is. Uh, And, uh, but, but bit of Bo to Casey Jones, even though he's not on thought crusade, uh, he's a cool dude. I'm actually, I don't know, can you see? I'm actually wearing a no furniture shirt. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. And they had like cool stuff and like, I said it's it's it was something a little different, a little darker. Um, right. But one thing I wanted to circle back with Chain, I had this theory that I brought to Javier and Jason because um, I finally recently acquired um, well the True Till Death I got from you, Tim, and then I got a right. copy of the because I, I always had CDs back then, and I got a copy uh-huh. of the First Strike version on blue oh, yeah, yeah. which we'll i think yeah. looks i think that one looks the best of all of them uh like i uh-huh. was like oh this one looks really nice but it doesn't have the poster but anyway i theorize that they went so kurt we know went in and did vocals for impact and right. i think they redid some vocals if not all um on that 12 inch of the there's remixes. that one there's that one line that is not yes yeah, original Scott. version yeah, Still can't like, hear you better listen, listen to this. To this. Yeah, the, the first yeah, I, time I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Me and that? you both, Scott, yeah. I, and I, and I that think, led me to believe upon listening again, I went, some of the stuff sounds di- a little different. Like, first off, I'm amazed that five years later or whatever, he managed to sound exactly the same without really having done any bands because, yeah. you know, I did one up for a while and then I didn't sing for a band for a long time. And then when I did easy creatures that took me a long time to to kind of get back in the in the groove so like for him to be able to do that and sound like on impact like impact sounds like it was recorded in 1990 so yeah i believe that they went back if they didn't do all they went back and did a lot of vocals as as far as i know the only thing they did is impact 
And then they did that true till death intro that true. And the, and the line Scott talked about, which either I was, I think that's just something that was just not in the mix. Like, I think like, listen, listen to the different versions of Warren Ellis alone. You know what I mean? There's, there's Ray certainly did not go back in the studio and record different, you know, different lyrics and stuff. It's just like stuff just got cut out, you know? And I, I, if I'm wrong, then fine, I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I'm 99.9% sure that's just stuff that was, was, was there that they cut, they brought it back. Cause you know, now they get the, they're in the studio, they're remixing, they're listening to all these outtakes and stuff like, Oh, let's yeah. throw this in there. I, That'll be different. You know what I mean? And that could um, be too. And I know that happens a lot of times with like, usually like, um, you know, like big rock bands, like, you know, I've, everyone knows I love yeah. REM and there's like, you know, they did a thing where it was like a whole new version of monster where they used like different vocal tracks and uh, mm-hmm. for some stuff and, you know, put some stuff low in the mix, which chain did, you know, they took out some of those like octave guitar parts, but then they raised up maybe that vocal. Um, mm-hmm. I, and, you know, I will say at least Ryan admitted, like he, he told the story about the mix. So I'm not going to go into it, but like, he knows yeah. it's not a good mix and they're hoping to rectify it and put out. Oh yeah. Yeah. They've been hoping to rectify it for years. Yeah. I mean, it's been, we, we, I, I, man, I want to go back to probably about 2006. Ryan was out here on a business trip and he, and, and he called me up and said, Hey, listen, I'm out here in Philly. He was hanging out with Steve Cordello from turning point, no escape. And he's like, I'm going to be out here in Philly for, for like the weekend. He's like, you want to come hang out? And, and then he was like, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about doing like a new version of the chain of strength, uh, you know, records. Uh, I want to do like the original mix again. And, um, he's like, do you have pictures? And like, we do new layouts and stuff like that. So I drove out to Philly and, and brought like all my pictures. Well, actually, I think I scanned them all and, and gave them, you know, copies. But so this has been something that they've been talking about for a long, long time, you know, I just to, hope to redo this stuff. One of the things I, I, I hope, and we were trying to, t- I know we talked with Sammy about it is like, I get wanting to change the layout and change the pictures, but like, don't. <laughs> like just put like yeah, redo them old. as is it's not like anybody's going to try and pass off a 2020 pressing for an old one but like just do them as is like learn the lesson from like all these other you know botched things like people want the original thing like so do you think people want the the one thing that still holds true packaging or you think they want the true till death packaging and the, you know, I think they want two separate seven inches. Yeah. I think they want the two seven inches. That's what I would want if I didn't already have, I mean, I I would still get them, but that's what I would want if I didn't already have them. Like I don't want, I don't want both seven inch original mixes on a, on a 12 inch. Like Uh, I would be okay with it if it was in, if they sounded original and they were in the original Mm -hmm. order and it was like one seven inch on one side, one seven inch on the other side, original artwork somewhere in the layout. Like it was very faithful, kind of like a discography, you know, like the, um, the judge discography. It's like, it's not like they mix up the track order or did anything weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see. And well, it showed, like you open the gatefold and it shows the original yes. art and it says like tracks yeah. one to five or this. Yeah, something like that. I don't, I don't know why they, and the way they tinkered with the order on the chain discography will yeah, never weird. make sense because they only flipped like one song on each seven inch. They like yeah. changed the order and the true till yeah. death 
gang vocals just I, I don't know why they did that, but I digress. So I guess one of the things we do to wrap up is, uh, and we've already given our chain hot tracks, but we're going to ask you guys your chain of strength hot tracks. You can go from the whole discography. Yeah, so Vogel, let's say you guys are playing a show and somehow you convince your band to let cover down. a chain. Let down. Oh, yeah. Immediate, that's, your, that's your hot track immediately? Yes. No ifs, ands, or buts about. I mean, they don't have a bad song. No. And Agreed. I'm not like a crazy collector like you guys are. And I'm actually not either. I'm fine usually with one to, version. To hear someone would pay $700 for a Chain Crew 7, it blows my mind. But whatever makes people <laughs> happy makes them happy. But I would say um, don't mess with perfection. Like all these remixes and all this stuff, they're so the records are so perfect to me. But uh, yeah, to answer the question, I'm going let down. That's great. Uh, Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. Tim, what about you? Hot track, same thing. Let's say Uh, uh, mouthpiece gets back together for Rev 40, and (laughs) you guys are tasked to play a cover song, and someone says, Hey, let's play a chain song. What would be the oh, most man. fun for you or like what's just your go-to to put on a mixtape or something like that? All right. Look, I can't, I can't give you specifically one. I know you want one, but I'm going to give you three. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and, so two thirds of the discography. <laughs> yeah. So, so, well, if we're talking triple to the seven inch letdown is just a fucking rager. I mean, it, it like, uh, there's been times I'm like mowing the lawn, listening to, the, that seven inch and letdown comes on and like all of a sudden i'm like running across the lawn like <laughs> smashing lawnmower into trees i'm just so fucking stoked and then you know i'm ready to like go dive into a bush or something um but so let let down is a top one um just how much i mean you can't i mean you can't go wrong with just how much that yeah. that song is fucking great and then another one that i have to mention um is best of times because it's just mm-hmm. best of times it's like a song that I relate to so much, like lyrically, because I think back to like 1989, like hanging out with my friends, you know, sleeping over my friend's house, sitting around, like holding revelation records. You know what I mean? Looking at the Warzone seven inch, looking at the sick of it all seven inch, like just sitting here talking about fucking hardcore and just, you know, it just takes me back to a very like pure, innocent time of just, being, you know, young and like no responsibilities, no problems, just where are we going to skate tomorrow? You know what I mean? Where are we, what are we going to listen to today? Like, when are we going to get to go to a show again and fucking go stage dive on people's heads? You know, like that's like, when I listen to best of times, that's what I think about. I think of, you know, what I was doing in 1989. So for that reason, it's like so sentimental to me. Um, it's funny because we we they brought up uh, it might have been Alex brought up how Kurt Kurt was really um, I guess masterful at doing that spoken word stuff in some of the tracks like he oh, does yeah. on Best of Times um, and right. definitely a nod to like Dag Nasty and uh, you know the song What Now you know we were used to be the brothers we used to be this close but yeah. that song Best of Times I I agree like you can you can really pick up on the feeling of the song. And, you know, the whole, like, remember the times we stayed up late to talk about everything, well, everything believed we believed in? Like, in. We all did that. Like, you just stayed up talking with your friends. Um, yeah. 
and like a lot of the chain of strength stuff was all about, like you said, it was, I never really thought about it until you said, but it was all very reactionary. It was very like, this is what happened. And I'm pissed. I'm let down. I'm, you know, It, 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 it was so, I mean, it was different than anything anybody else was talking about. You know, it just felt like so real, it felt so relatable to me, you know, like, and, and, and when it comes down to it, uh, you know, for me knowing these guys, they're just super fucking into hardcore. You know, they just love hardcore. I mean, like you could just sit down and, and, and just, you know, break it down with them. And, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, an SSD record or a minus threat record or a faith record, or it's, you know, the judge seven inch or, you yeah. know, break down the walls, you know, like these guys love talking about hardcore. I mean, I, I, every freaking time, uh, you know, I post something on like Instagram in my stories, like Frosty chimes in and it's like, Dude, that's so fucking Same. cool. That's the greatest. Yes. You know what I mean? He does it for, for me too. And like I said, like yeah. they're, they're just that's not like I can't speak. Not. We had interactions with like said Frosty and Alex and Ryan, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. they were all super cool. I'm bummed that there's not another chain record on Rev. So hopefully, if they do these reissues, they'll get another yeah. uh, catalog number. So we'll have right. an excuse to um, to talk to them again. But yeah, like they love and they love like. Um, you know, like you said, I think they were drawing from the different influence than the New York pans. They were really going, yeah. like you, you really hear that Boston meets DC meets like right. little, really no West coast. I, I don't hear West coast in their sound. Right. They were just such fans and they like literally are, I mean, like, you know, I, I went to like every freaking, um, chain reunion show that they're like, everywhere from Florida to Seattle to California you know, uh, Boston, uh, DC, everywhere, everywhere they fucking played. I went and like, we hung out all the time and those dudes just love to fucking sit down and talk about hardcore. They just, they love it, you know? And, and, and it, I, it's so relatable to me because they're fans, you know, and I'm not telling you that this band over here doesn't, you know, cause I'm sure they do too, but I've had, you know, actual experiences with these guys. And that's why it, it, it that's why the, you know, one of the reasons the band like means so much to me. Yeah, we all love them. That's why well, we're here. Here's my take on it, you guys. And this this might close the episode out. Like, we're staying up late talking about all the things we believe in right now. This, I mean, this is it. This is the... Yeah. Like, we're still <laughs> fucking all just growing up, growing old, mm-hmm. sitting around in a room, even though they're opposite rooms. We're in this virtual chat room. And we're still yeah. talking yeah. about the minutiae and they're like, I'm I'm right now looking at the lyric sheets with my friends listening to the record, just in a different form. And we're still doing that. Yeah. And I think that it's cool growing up listening to Mouthpiece, growing up listening to Despair and Slugfest oh. and Terror yeah. and and Count Me Out and, Thank you me. know, hanging out with, with GSD down there as well in different <laughs> aspects. Yeah. Um, but... Like we're still doing it. We're all yeah, still doing yeah. it. And I think that's sick. I didn't have to track you guys down and like, oh, what's this guy doing now? And what's it's yeah, like, like we knew. We just okay, cool. Yeah. Like, and I said, I'm and, and, I'm a I'm a fan. Like I Tim knows I'm a huge mouthpiece. Well, I'm a fan of all the bands Tim's done. I'm a huge I love terror. I love all the terror records, you know, um, buried alive. So it's cool to be able to talk to people that you respect and people who's music you listen to in some cases since i was a kid and be able to just shoot the breeze about something we all love 
opened this world to me. So thank you. The thing is, we're not a bunch of like, you know, losers living in our mother's basements. I mean, we're all guys who have, you know, you know, families and jobs and, and responsibilities and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So like life goes on, you know, you continue to mature and become a, you know, whatever person in society, but you can still be like obsessed with this shit. You know, yeah, you can still think yeah. this is the coolest shit in the world. Like, cause I, you know, there's been people who like tell me like, you should grow the fuck up. Like you still care about that hardcore shirt or you still care about that record, you know? And it's like, dude, this shit means the world to me. You know, it, yeah. it always has meant the world to me. And it doesn't mean that like, I'm it not like growing. I'm, yeah. I'm not growing. It's not like I'm not growing up. Like, it's not like I'm not an adult. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, doing what I need to do as a responsible adult, but I still, this stuff still means the world to me, it, you know? So I think that's a great place to, uh, yeah, we're all keeping the faith over here. What do you think? Any yeah, final words, great. Scott, you got anything that can you, can you top Tim? Cause I don't, I can't, so I'm done. I'll keep it simple. I still love hardcore. I have Chris Higdon's phone number. So when you do the Elliot episode, have me on for the bonus. Yes. Concept. Hell yeah, yes. absolutely. That'd be absolutely. awesome. Uh, and you know what? I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to edit this episode at all. I'm just going to stick the fucking music on, throw it up on Patreon and let people listen to this two hours and eight minutes of us fucking nerding out about chain of strength. I think that's sick. I actually wish that we could, like give this to everyone but i think it's also cool that you know when you go to those shows and you're like i saw this fucking band in a basement like i saw yeah. despair in a basement in buffalo with boy sets fire or i saw mouthpiece <laughs> at fucking showcase theater you know like this is that for our patrons so yeah they'll be, uh, they'll be stoked on yeah, it yeah bit of bow to you too for uh, uh taking the t- two hours out of your fucking day to yeah, like do this with much. us is awesome and then oh, no. once we no cut problem. now i had a question for tim yeah. um does so I, I I finally got a copy of Bonds of Friendship. Yeah, Scott, if you need to, if you need to bounce, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out Tim. Yeah, Scott, it was nice seeing you. Thank you. Yeah, Jason, you nice too, Scott. Scott. Let me say real quick that Buried Alive everybody. Kid Dynamite show was the shit. <laughs> I was there too. Richmond show, I was there, and that Philly. show was the shit. I was in Philly. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it.